values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here this morning. If you've not subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it right now. It's very simple to do on any device you have. Listen at your convenience. Never miss a minute of the show. It's brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Carla Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Mesa Public Schools is going to take most of its new state funding that they are getting and dedicate it to teacher raises. That means if a teacher made $66,000 last year in Mesa Public Schools, they're going to make $75,000 this year. They are also, the starting pay is up, up from $50,000 a year to $53,500. That is uh, the new minimum wage for hourly employees is $15.60. This will help, uh, this will apply retroactively to the start of the school year. The updated pay plan I'm reading from a news story, uh, gives teachers an average salary increase of 10% from last year, 6.95% for school administrators, and 5.25% for superintendents, according to a district memo. So, uh, good news to retain teachers. And I think that I've, I think I've been pretty consistent when I talk about this. Um, there is a, there's an old saying that says the left admires teachers like the right admires cops. And I think that I admire both, uh, with the same amount of respect, but I do it for two different reasons. But I believe they're both callings. I don't think people do it for the money. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be paid more. Uh, in Phoenix, retaining officers and getting new officers has really been helped by the increase in starting pay and then a climbing ladder, although it wasn't for as big of a, a jump for existing employees. It is helping with recruiting. The one thing that I would say that needs to happen with teachers, in my humble opinion, is the same kind of accountability that there is when hiring a police officer. Just like a, just like a police officer, when a police officer graduates from the police academy, when they become post-certified, as it's called, through AZ Post, they become a certified police officer. Their training isn't over. It's really just beginning. It, they now have to go through the agency, their working force training program uh, with, a, with a FTO or a, a field training officer and they have to become a qualified law enforcement officer and they are checked along the way to make sure that they make the grade and there are a lot of officers that get through the police academy that don't really make it to being a standalone officer on the street they just don't cut it they just don't make it it isn't in their dna whatever the reason is they don't make it I think teaching and what they're doing steps in the right direction with the mentoring program that they have in teaching this is not a knock against teachers what it is I agree. We should be paying good teachers more money, but I also think you should be recruiting, be recruiting excellence, and there should be a very high standard. Right now, it's all hands on deck because there's such a shortage in teachers. I think that could become a problem. There has to be a level of accountability that goes with the pay increases. I think that just makes for better schools. Mesa Public Schools stepping up, and I think part of it is realizing with the ESA program expanding that you could lose students if you don't hire or and pay teachers more. Uh, Arizona hopes to reduce enormous teacher shortage through mentoring and paid tuition. So uh, schools uh, striving to get back to full swing. Districts across Arizona continue to struggle with severe shortages of teachers and administrators. Um, but there's an innovative program called the Arizona Teacher Residency Program that I just alluded to, and it's going to help m- mentor young teachers. I think it's su- that's such an asset. It, it's weird when we look, especially from the world I come from, when you look at what we do to make sure a police officer 
deputy, whatever, um, trooper, are ready for the streets is you partner them with a senior officer called a field training officer. And you go through a pretty rigorous training program while on duty for an extended period of time. And you have to make certain thresholds throughout that training or you don't move on. And there's you know remedial training sometimes. But you want to make sure that you're preparing these men and women to be the best police officers they can possibly be. That's what the community deserves. And that's what keeps officers safe. I think it's a great idea. To do that with teachers, but to do it with people where the standards are teaching, to make sure that they can be brilliant people. And I think most of us know this. Just because you are good at something doesn't make you a good teacher. I'll give you an example from sports. Wayne Gretzky, the great one, probably the greatest hockey player that's ever lived. He wasn't that great of a coach, great of a manager uh, when he was here in Arizona. That's not a knock against him. It's just not his thing. Sometimes when you are that talented at something, when you are that good at something, having to teach it to someone, it just comes second nature to you. And if you look in the NFL, a lot of the greatest coaches that are that are on the field, you think of Bill Belichick, wasn't exactly a, a, a lights-out player on the football field. And you see a lot of coaches that come from the NFL that were journeyman players, but they understand the game and they had to work so hard at it becomes a good coach. So with teachers, it's the same thing. You could be a brilliant mathematician. That doesn't mean that you're good at teaching math. And to be coached up by a teacher, by a mentor, I think is, is a valuable asset for Arizona. I think it's a brilliant idea, something we should have done a long time ago. Not only is it someone that can be, that you can lean on, you can lean on your mentor and ask questions. They're going to help you navigate mistakes. These things are what are going to make schools in Arizona better. And that's the goal for all of us, right? I mean, I, we all want schools to perform so that students are getting the education that they deserve. And I've talked before about the expansion of the ESA program. It was necessary because parents wanted it. And, and now there's a big question about whether they want it or not, and they want to get it back on the ballot. And the, there are parents out there that want options for their kids. That's why charter schools are so popular here. That's why private schools are popular. That's why when a family gets to a level of income where they can afford it, they send their kids to private school. It is a leg up. There's no doubt about it. But let's give that same quality of education, if we can, to students in the public schools. There's a lot of things that could change. But I think what Mesa Public Schools is doing is commendable. I think it's smart. Tell the teachers in your district, we value you. So we are going to take this increase we've gotten. And we are going to use it and we're going to dedicate it to teacher pay. You are going to see Mesa Public Schools fill their classroom needs with teachers because teachers from other districts are going to want to work where they're getting paid well and where they feel valued. And I think that is going to be the biggest deal maker when it comes or deal breaker for some districts if they don't offset some of the administrative costs, if they don't take increase in dollars and put it directly into teachers' pockets, if they're not holding teachers accountable and saying, now you are making more money. You are making good money, probably the, you know, this district on average, probably the best in the state of Arizona. We expect you to perform at a high level. And if you don't, there are a lot of really good teachers out there that are going to want that spot. That kind of competition breeds excellence. So I think it's a, a great step in the right direction, and I hope it continues that way. I hope we continue to see that kind of growth. 
What we're going to do in a moment is yesterday, the new Phoenix police chief, his name is Michael Sullivan, um, started his first day at work yesterday. We're going to talk about the challenges of the Phoenix Police Department, and we're going to get down to business on the violent crime increase across the country and how it's affecting Arizona. All that's coming up here in just a few moments. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, We've got to talk about this. So we were planning on talking about the Phoenix Police Chief, which we're going to do in a few moments. But let's talk about what happened with Robert Sarver. Uh, He has been suspended for one year from all NBA and WNBA activities. The The NBA, in its investigation found, among other things, a few of the key findings. Mr. Sarver, on at least five occasions during his tenure with the Suns Mercury organization, repeated the N-word when recounting statements of others. Mr. Sarver engaged in instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, made many sex-related comments in the workplace, made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Mr. Sarver engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including by yelling and cursing at them. Um, I've been cursed at by a lot of employers. I'm not downplaying what he did. I, I, I So this is a different world than when I grew up because I grew up on construction sites. And when you were an apprentice electrician, you were abused. But let's talk about the other things here. Um, in all seriousness, when I trans- transitioned from the construction world into what I would consider the corporate world where I'm working now, going into an office building every day to work with people, I thought to myself, man, I got to be very careful because it's a different world. And you, and, But I thought all you have to do is really just treat people with respect. And I work uh, – and I'm not perfect. You know, I've, I've got a crass sense of humor. I tell crazy jokes. But – I also don't want to put anyone in a position with my behavior and my words to make them uncomfortable. And there's a difference between making somebody uncomfortable and saying things that are just out of line. When you're the boss, you think and you think you can get away with anything. I think you're a horrible boss. Now, I don't know Mr. Sarver. I've never met Mr. Sarver. But if these allegations are true, you should be able to go to the boss when you feel uncomfortable. You, that, that's what a, that, to me, that's what a good leader does is they lead by example that if you've got women that work for you in an organization that's dominated by men, at least on the NBA side of things, um, if you work in that organization and you have an issue, you should be able to go to the bosses and air a grievance. Now, you may not be found to be corrected. It might not go your way, but you should feel comfortable going to those people. And when you have leadership, the leadership in this building, we have a mix of men and women in this building that work together. I work with people that are co-workers, uh, that are, are, are women that do an excellent job. The idea that – and uh, listen, I can be crass. My sense of humor is horrible. I love crazy jokes. But when it comes to a conversation, to put someone in an uncomfortable – this is co-worker to co-worker – to put someone in an uncomfortable position – with your behavior by, you know, the word objectifying is such a, a a word I hate, but to to make someone else feel uncomfortable with what you're saying about them or somebody else around you, that's bad behavior from a coworker. That's a coworker that needs to be dragged aside and said, hey, listen, straighten up. You know, that's we don't tolerate that here. That's not how we behave. Go apologize for what you said. And I think that's a reasonable thing to do. Um, but when it's from the owner of the team. 
A, no one's safe at all. No one is safe because who do you go to? What's your recourse? And a lot of employees signed NDAs or non-disclosure agreements to keep quiet when they left after they complained. They broke those NDAs so that they could tell their story to make sure it doesn't happen again. So, again, I don't know Robert Sarber. I, I don't know him at all. Um, but if this investigation is correct, then this is what needed to happen. You know, it, it's I have girls. And I want my girls to feel in the when they're in the workplace, they are treated equal to everybody else in the building, that they don't have to go in and be quiet and be spoken to that way by anybody, never mind their boss. So uh, these are just some of the accusations. The uh, suspension for one year from all NBA activity and uh, WNBA activities and the possibility he's fined $10 million, the maximum permitted by the NBA Constitution and bylaws. The NBA will donate these funds to organizations that are committed to addressing race and gender-based issues outside of the workplace. So I'm going to read down just a little bit of this before we move on. Mr. Sarber is suspended from the Suns Mercury organization for a period of one year during which time he will not – be present at any NBA or WNBA team facility, including any office arena or practice facility. Attend or participate in any NBA or WNBA event or activity, including games, practices, business partner activities. Represent the Suns or the Mercury in any public or private capacity. Have any involvement with the business or basketball operations of the Suns or Mercury. Have any involvement in the business governance or activities of either NBA or WNBA, including attending or participating in meetings or either league's boards and their associated board committees. During his suspension, he must complete a training program focused on respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace. He's also been fined $10 million, among other things. That is the heaviest fine the NBA can levy. That is incredible. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk about the Phoenix police chief taking over the job and starting yesterday, what they face in Phoenix and what's happening around the country all coming up. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, coming up at just after 10 o'clock, we are going to be joined by Arizona Sports' Dan Bickley. He will join us to talk about the situation with Suns owner Robert Sarver as the news broke this morning. He has been suspended from all NBA and WNBA activities. He's been fined $10 million, which is the maximum fine that can be levied by the NBA according to their constitution or their charter. So we're going to talk about the implications of this with Dan Bickley at 10.05, so please be here for it. Um, the interim police chief, Michael Sullivan, started on Monday. Uh, not a lot of fanfare behind it uh, as Chief Jerry Williams steps down after 30-plus years of, of service in policing. But the interim police chief has stepped in, and uh, the agency faces uh, a lot of uh, issues. Number one, he is here, I believe. He is here because of the DOJ investigation. He is going to help navigate that. But there is also the redistricting. Uh, the precincts are going to be redrawn. The precinct maps will be redrawn in Phoenix. So I imagine he'll be leaning on the insiders in the police department for that. I'm just guessing at this. I'm going to have a chance to talk with the police chief tomorrow. I'm looking forward to asking him about policing in Phoenix. Um, having come from you know a big police department himself, uh, it is interesting what his focus will be. And um, the Baltimore Police Department is where he's coming from, a completely different uh, feeling than the Phoenix Police Department. And uh, will he have be in line for the job to be the permanent chief? We don't know the answer to that question either. 
But when you're facing a shortage of officers and now young officers coming onto the streets with a rise in violent crime here in the Valley and other places, there are a lot of changes that will be happening in, in, in the interior of the police department over the next few years. And how will a new police chief handle this? I'm going to be interested to find out how he is going to lean on his command staff. Will he rearrange that command staff um, in some way? How does he choose who he will uh, will will be his go-to people in the command? It should be interesting. The reason why I, I mention this is uh, we – I look around and years ago I would say we need to learn from the mistakes of other places. This isn't to denigrate other cities. But if you look at when, when we had the crash in 08, 09, when things were happening, were bad around the country, the uh, automobile industry took a nosedive and the city of Detroit – really got hammered, filed bankruptcy. They were tearing down buildings. It was really bad in Detroit for a while. And a lot of it had to do with pensions and had to do with insurance and a lot of other obligations that the city had to former employees. And I said then the city of Phoenix should get their arms around this now, seeing that this could happen anywhere. The city of Phoenix is growing. So while you're growing and your income is increasing, then you everything looks good. But when things get stagnant or when things go in the other direction, a city will find out how strong it really is is. So learning from that mistake, to me, would be a wise thing to do. Make the changes necessary so that when we plateau or we see a drop in Phoenix, we are not caught up in this very same situation. That would be in the economic part of the city. But how about this? Uh, Seattle, hemorrhaging police officers amid massive crime spike. Uh, Former King County Sheriff uh, said, we're screwed. A total of 122 officers have left the Seattle Police Department just in the year 2022, including six that left in August. Um, Since the city council voted to defund the police department in 2020, nearly 500 police officers have left the force. The city experienced 11 homicides in August, the deadliest single month on record, which goes back to 2008. There's been a mass exodus of policing. The profession itself is almost on its last breath. And what happens is the criminals fill the void when there's no law enforcement. This is the police guild president, Mike Solon. Um, So when you look at these things that are happening, that's where the city of Phoenix has to take a long, hard look and say, what are we going to do about the rising crime rates in Phoenix? The, The citizens, the good citizens of Phoenix deserve to have leadership in place. In the police department that allows police officers good training so that when they're on the streets, they're safe, but they also are protectors of all of us. Uh, We're going to talk in a few moments and I can kind of kind of put them together, I guess, right now. When you see the police response at Central High School the other day, when you saw the police response a couple of weeks ago to that shooter up at 26th Avenue and Deer Valley, where this guy walks out with a rifle and magazines and starts popping off rounds and murdering people and shooting into the streets and shooting at the cops when they come on scene. How much worse that situation could have been without an appropriate response from the police department and the Phoenix Police Department did an excellent job. Having the ability to train good people, equip good people, and make sure that the citizens of Phoenix feel safe is what we all should be able to expect. Now, you look at places like Seattle, and I'm not hammering Seattle as a city, but you look at what happened in Seattle and Portland and um, um, Minneapolis, where defund the police was the issue of the day, and they did it. And you look at the um, the crazy crime that's happening there. Criminals are always going to fill the void. That is not unique to Seattle. That's Phoenix, Arizona. 
That's what predators and criminals do. Predators and criminals will always go toward the weakest link. They will always find a weakness and they'll attack it. When there aren't a lot of cops around, they will prey upon society. They don't think like you and I do. You and I see somebody in danger. We want to protect them. If you and I see somebody vulnerable, we want to help them. That's not what a predator does. A predator sees them as an easy mark one way or another, whether it's a white collar crime or it's a violent crime. And that's the way they think. And unless we have people that are willing to stand in the gap and take care of business and make sure that those people pay a heavy price when they prey upon innocent people, we are going to end up like these other cities. We already are seeing a huge uptick in violent crime. The Phoenix Police Department has been a victim of their own success for years. The Phoenix Police Department has been doing more with less for a very long time, and it's catching up with them. Thank goodness that they are increasing pay. They are seeing an uptick in recruitment, and they can keep up, hopefully, with the need for police officers on the streets. And uh, I, I can't wait to report back on my conversation with the police chief tomorrow. It should be an interesting one. Uh, coming up in a moment. We are going to talk about the lockdown at Central High School and what a couple of the comments were made about this. How bad could this have been? And is this proof that their safety plan worked? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Coming up 15 minutes from right now, we speak with Dan Bickley from Arizona Sports about the bombshell news today that the uh, the owner of the Phoenix Suns in the in the Mercury uh, suspended for one year and a $10 million fine levied. We'll talk about the details of that with Dan Bickley from Arizona Sports at 10.05. Uh, Central High School um, holds online classes uh, and offers support spaces after lockdown. Um, I want you to hear something. Stephanie Parra, Phoenix Union High School District, made a comment. I, I believe she made this comment on the Gatos and Chad show. Uh, this is now this is out of context. I, I, I would, this is the only part of the interview I've heard, and it's a short clip. But I want you to hear it. A lot of these kids, you know, for them, this was their Columbine. Mm, I'm not quite sure I'd go there. Um, you don't compare things to the Holocaust. Uh, you don't compare things. You know, you just, you don't, there, nobody, there was no gun. There was no shooting. There wasn't a shooting. Um, and I'm not saying it wasn't dangerous, and I'm not saying it wasn't scary, and I'm not saying that the police overreacted. I think everybody acted appropriately. But to compare this to Columbine, and I, again, I don't, I don't want to downplay how scared some of the kids were. But the uh, the Phoenix Union High School District is saying that this shows that their safety um, policies worked. They said they needed to react a little faster, that their response time needed to be better. And I will say that this is – I've disagreed with the Phoenix Union High School District getting rid of their school resource officers. I think it's a mistake. I will always think that it's a mistake. I think having – you know, and you can't – this is all a guess. Again, this is all speculation. Having a police officer on campus may have stopped this from getting to the, to the place that it ended up getting with the police response that happened. We don't know that for sure, but that's just my stance on security guards versus police officers. But that being said, let's talk about the Phoenix Police Department and their response and the surrounding schools that are there, Brophy and others that are around there, and the lockdown that happened. Um, we see a response, and again, the theme from before was learning from other people's mistakes. Um, 
I am not someone that takes shots at law enforcement. You know, I, I don't. I'm very respectful. No one is more pro law enforcement than I am. But we also have to acknowledge bad behavior and lack of good behavior. What happened in Uvalde, Texas, had the entire country afraid. You know, where there was an incident in the West Valley here, I believe in El Mirage, where parents were notified about a lockdown situation at the school, and three parents had to be taken into custody because they were trying to get into the school fearful that the law enforcement was not going to do their jobs. And the resounding message from leadership across the valley has been to tell – first, they did it inward. They said to all of their officers, deputies, because I know the Maricopa County Sheriff also said it, and I'm sure the troopers have had the conversation as well. This is not Uvalde, Texas. Now, no one is saying that to dump on another police agency. First, they said it internally. We are not that. If there is a situation here, officer safety comes secondary, neutralize the threat. That showed itself to be very clear a week or so ago in the Northwest Valley, 26th Avenue in Deer Valley, 26th Avenue in Deer Valley, where this shooter just decided to pop off rounds um, outside of a hotel. And it, the video's been released. If you want to be, see a harrowing video, go and look at the security cam video of that time. This guy, you see him walking out in what looks like armor, but it isn't. He's had, you know, and he's got knee pads on and other stuff. Walks and he's carrying a rifle. He walks out the door and almost immediately begins shooting into the parking lot at cars. He murders people coming into the parking lot that it appeared were just innocent people, wrong place, wrong time. But in part of the video, you see the police response and you see the Phoenix PD SUVs rolling up on the scene and he begins to fire at those cars and they continue to roll onto that scene. One officer was shot. Others were injured. Um, they got that officer to the hospital. Uh, fortunately, he's going to be OK. So what happened at Central High School, thank God, turned out to be a drill that they passed the response from the Phoenix Police Department, the response of the school staff and locking things down and doing things like they were supposed to do. That is a coordinated effort. I've talked about my friend Steve Hooper uh, quite often, who has a security company called Tripwire. He was just on the air with me uh, yesterday in the capacity of his former association. He was with the FBI for over 30 years. But that's what his company was founded for him and his wife taking their years of experience in law enforcement and preparedness and talking to major corporations and businesses and school districts about how you are ready in case something happens. Everybody in law enforcement or the military understands train, 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 because when it happens, when it's live fire, literally live fire. So people in these school districts and schools uh, behind the scenes that do those things where they are training over and over, they are assessing threats. They are making sure they're ready that if something happens, they know exactly what their job is. And then you get the response from the Phoenix Police Department that you got. It's pretty incredible. Um, an 11-year-old boy was arrested in surprise, another threat. More and more often we are hearing about students making threats. Now, there is a difference, and I think we all acknowledge there's a difference. We've all said to somebody, oh, I'm going to kill you. That's, that's a figure of speech. But when you've got students angry, making threats, 
they have to be taken seriously. The analogy I've used is years ago, it would, the, the, uh, the FAA may put out big, big signs in airports across this country that says it's not a joking matter. Don't make jokes about guns. Don't make jokes about bombs. Don't make jokes about hand, uh, hijackings because if you do, you are going to jail. I saw it happen. I saw someone, uh, I don't want to out them, but I saw someone that I know in my family who made a stupid joke about a hijacking and was taken into FBI custody for a couple of hours while they were interviewed. That sent the message it wasn't funny anymore. We need to do the same thing. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we speak with Dan Bickley from Arizona Sports about the suspension of Suns owner Robert Sarver. That's coming up.